Welcome to CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman, a practicing physician and CMIO and the host of CMIO Podcast. Today I'm covering the news again. We are going to review about six stories or so, see what we have time for, and I'm jumping right into it. So first, the first one, I have a question actually. I'm hoping that there's some CMIOs out there or if provider informaticists who can help me about what you would do in this situation. So it's not a story, this is a request for help. Uh, I've got, uh, we're, we're on Epic and when we're doing electronic prescribing, we have to do send our narcotics through an electronic means. And so what happens is when I go and put in the order for the narcotic, I then hit sign, it asks for my password, and then I get a message to my phone through, we're using Improvada, we're getting this two-factor authentication in there, and I click approve, and now the prescription goes on its way. I have a handful of providers that won't upgrade to a smartphone. And so the question is, what do we do with those providers? Are we getting to the point where we say, look, to be on medical staff, you have to have a smartphone. About 50% of the hospitals have two-factor authentication as of 2014. I'm sure it's much higher now. So it's kind of becoming the standard. At what point do we say to prescribe? We, we use electronic prescribing. That's what we've decided is the safest way to do it. And if you're not able to do that, well, I'm not sure that practicing here is for you. I don't know. Help me with this one. So if you get a chance, email me. Um, the best way is cmiopodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word. Uh, definitely looking for some feedback on that. All right, now we'll get into some stories. So the first one I want to cover is about this. Um, it comes out of health IT security. And th there was a breach at a Washington-based provider. Their name is Gray's Harbor. And this was a ransomware attack. And the hackers demanded a million dollars this time um, to unlock patient files. Now, this was back in June. I think the part that's coming out now is just the, the payment amount of $1 million. I bring it up because it seems like that's a lot higher than what I've been hearing. I've been hearing numbers in the tens of thousands for some of these that make the news. A million dollars is significant inflation uh, over the last year. So, hey, work on your, your security. That's what that one means. Your weakest link is, well, the thousands of employees that are, are in our systems. And it appears that um, through some spear phishing attacks that you can get just about anyone's password and they can give you your credentials just with the rightly worded email. So uh, we'll look out for that one. Next story. This one's out of Fierce Healthcare and it was written on August 6th. A startling 79% of primary care physicians are burned out. A new report finds. Read you some of the highlights here. Burnout rates among doctors are high but nowhere more so than among primary care physicians according to a new study. Some 79% of PCPs say they have experienced symptoms of burnout, compared to 68% among all the physicians surveyed, according to this study by InCrowd, which is a marketing firm, and I'll get to them in a little bit here. Among all the specialists surveyed, when the PCPs were excluded, the burnout rate was 57%. The study also found burnout was higher among younger physicians. Those in their 30s and 40s reported the highest rates of burnout 
with rates dropping among older doctors. So the findings are from a survey of U.S.-based PCPs and specialists taken in early June by InCrowd, a Boston-area market insights technology firm. Respondents included 320 PCPs and 319 specialists. Pretty decent size. Um, since InCrowd last surveyed physician burnout in 2016, there has been no noticeable improvements. The healthcare industry would benefit from refining and expanding current initiatives to assure adequate staffing levels needed to deliver the quality of care patients deserved. The survey suggests there are solutions. Those who said their facilities effectively address burnout credit workplace initiative that improve workflow, provide schedule flexibility, and support wellness. So my commentary on this uh, those numbers are high. They're, they're startlingly high. Um, I think it's a little higher than what I'm feeling out there, but nevertheless, uh, even if it's slightly lower than those numbers, the, this is a problem. I know CMIOs are focused on this, are one of our main missions in life, at least well, the one that gives me passion is to make the experience of practicing healthcare better for my fellow clinicians. So I, I know many of you feel the same. Um, we have a lot of work to do. It's not all the EHR. The EHR is part of it. I think patient volume and demand is um, probably the bigger driver. That The EHR isn't that evil if you're only seeing one patient an hour. You can maneuver more easily. You can get the workflows down that you want. When you then try to squeeze six patients in per hour is when you really need to be efficient. There is no wiggle room. You've got to have that information flowing to your fingertips in the EHR and we just we don't have that universally and I think that may be contributing to burnout. Alright, I want to jump to the next one. This one comes out of Modern Healthcare on August the 10th. Executive search firms see shift toward physicians as CEOs. Written by Megan Caruso. As healthcare organizations eye a shift to value-based care, many are looking to fill vacant CEO spots with a physician leader. The majority of companies responding to Modern Healthcare's executive search firm survey noted that the trend is growing rapidly as physician-specific skill sets become more sought after in leadership. In the, this is a quote from uh, Ed Stout, the managing partner and healthcare lead of Diversified Search. He says, in the past, it was typical to see academic medical centers hiring physician CEOs, but now we see community health systems and large integrated delivery systems asking to see physicians in almost every CEO search we undertake. Donna Padilla, sorry if I said that wrong, uh, managing partner and practice leader of healthcare at Whit Kiefer, said physicians' clinical backgrounds are key. They often possess deeper skills and exposure to a breadth of strategic and operational issues, including quality measures and patient satisfaction, both of which factor into value-based payments, she said. Several other firms noted almost identical qualities with emphasis on the patient experience. So what's my take on this? So am I expecting CMIOs to go on to CEOs? I don't know of any. If anyone out there does know of one, hey, let me know. That would be, that would be cool. Uh, but I think having physician leaders as CEOs will be good for provider informatics. There are some systems out there that you hear about that just, they get it. They understand the, the value, the return on investment of provider informatics. It's not a direct $1 spent gets you $2 returned. 
it's definitely a force multiplier. The better your provider informatics, the better your efficiency, the more your providers are willing to contribute to quality efforts, and the more they're willing to, to be engaged in your health system. So I think provider CEOs will, will understand that. I also hear on the other end of the spectrum where you know you, you hear about these uh, they call them the evil administrators and they're all about the financials and they're just looking to make sure they get their I don't know four ten whatever percent margin the the not-for-profits maybe a little lower than the for-profits and they really don't always see the value in provider informatics and I think that some of the physicians in those organizations get frustrated with that at times. That's what I hear from, from some of my colleagues. So interesting that uh, CEO, more physicians are becoming CEOs. I had previously asked some business leaders what they thought about physicians being CEOs. And their response was uniformly negative. They said, you know what? Doctors go to med school to learn to be really great doctors. They really don't go to learn business. And so you should leave the business of healthcare to people who are trained in business. Um, well, that just kind of would get under my skin. I don't know what that's doing for your blood pressure out there in podcast land. But there are doctors who have gone for MBAs, are definitely leaders. And I think the article is correct. If you want to really understand and know how to drive value-based care, patient experience, quality improvement, a physician is a really good choice for doing those things. Kind of ties me into my next article here. This one comes out of the New England Journal of Medicine Catalyst. Oh, maybe you've seen this one already. came out August 8th. It's a leadership survey. Why clinicians are not engaged and what leaders must do about it. And I'll read you a few points here. Clinician engagement is vital for improving clinical quality and patient satisfaction, as well as the job satisfaction of clinicians themselves. Yet nearly half of healthcare organizations are not very effective or not at all effective at clinician engagement, according to a recent survey of the NEJM Catalyst Insights Council. The most effective means of engaging clinicians is to involve them in organizational decision-making, according to 57% of respondents. Only half of survey takers considered their senior leadership's attempts to involve clinicians in decision-making as not very effective or ineffective, however. The survey shows a clear path to engage clinicians, but the industry is not delivering on that, says, I'm going to say this name wrong, Dave Chikoski. Um, he's the Chief Population Health Officer at NYC Health and Hospitals. Dave, I apologize if I got your name wrong, but um, spot on, by the way. It goes on to say that at a time when many clinicians are suffering from professional distress and organizational distrust, heightened engagement is essential. The article continues with healthcare organizations should have a well-communicated and well-understood formal strategy for clinician engagement. For most respondents, if there is a formal strategy, it is so terribly ineffective that people don't know about it. So, oh, one more paragraph here. There is a discrepancy in the survey results between how executives perceive their efforts in clinician engagement and how clinicians perceive them. For instance, far more executives, 55%, than clinicians, 26%, 
indicate that their organization has a formal strategy for clinician engagement. One clinical leader says the biggest contributors leading to disengaged clinicians are inconsistent or contradictory leadership messages and lack of listening to frontline clinicians. All right, my take on this, I suspect this one um, rings true and, and just uh, finds its home in your heart. That we, we engage with clinicians every day. That's what we do. We listen to clinicians to find the pain points, to try to make them better. That's what our job is. I believe an effective CMIO can definitely have an impact on this. But I think it's not just the EMR. I think this has to do with um, the running of certain programs, the, the decisions to, to either merge or uh, to divest. Some of these major system initiatives, the clinicians may very well come on after it's already pretty much a done deal and the, you know, it may be brought to a group of clinicians at that point, perhaps the medical executive committee of some of the hospitals, and, hey, doctors, we're merging with this other health system or we're divesting, and you're all good with that, right? And at that point, whether you're good with it or not, it's probably uh, already a done deal. So th this is really an important issue for healthcare. If we are going to have an impact provider thoughts have to be gathered and considered. Doesn't necessarily mean we always do what our frontline clinicians say, but it's good to get their opinion. They want to be heard and then explain to them if you didn't go that way, just why. And that type of communication takes time and people are so busy, I don't think that that always happens. So sometimes when I am seeing the clinician input has been um, obtained, there's no feedback to close the loop saying, yes, we heard you, and this was the final outcome, and this was why. So if you're in that position, if you're a healthcare leader and you have that opportunity, make sure that you're getting back to your physicians and closing the loop. You'll get better engagement. That better engagement will pay off down the line. When you're asking those providers to look at uh, or utilization costs and, and will they take a, you know, will they use a lower cost stapler? Perhaps they will if they're engaged. If they won't even come to the table because they don't even sit down with you, that's going to be a problem and it will affect your bottom line. So I believe engaging clinicians is the right thing to do. And I think many health systems are starting to, to key in on it. It's disappointing to see on this survey, not enough. I want to cover one more article here, how voice technology could speed EHR searches. Dr. Kumon, assistant professor of biomedical informatics at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, discussed the opportunities and hurdles for voice technology and provider organizations last week at Harvard Medical School. This was uh, written by Laura Levitt, August 12, 2019 in Mobile Health News. Time is one of a doctor's most precious resources. But with the increasing emphasis on documentation, doctors are often snowed under the paperwork. Scores of startups and provider innovation organizations are looking for ways that new technologies could help tackle this problem. Recently, voice technology has come onto the digital scene as a new tool with the potential to help lighten the workload. When it comes to saving time, voice has its advantages, Kuma explained. For example, writing by hand produces 15 words per minute. 
Typing is about 40 words per minute. Not me. I'm one of those two-finger hunt and peck kind of guys. And texting on a phone is 30 words per minute. My kids are far faster. However, speech trumps all of those mediums with a speed of 150 words per minute, she said. So why is this important to CMIOs? We all know we're all waiting for that uh, environment where we can just go into the exam room, start talking to the patient, and the ambient sensors will pick up whether the patient's talking, whether the doctor's talking, and form the note for us, and off we go into the sunset. We walk out of the room, the note is done, and everything's been put in for us, all the orders, great. That's hopefully coming, but it's gonna be quite some time. The, if you've ever seen that demo from Nuance, it's really fascinating to watch. Um, it, and I, I don't know how real it is, it may all be vaporware at this point, but I know they are working on this type of stuff. I've had some experience with voice um, just using Dragon and Epic. I'm able to tell Epic, find Echo, and it will go and pull up the last echocardiograms, which is really cool. I think that's definitely helping uh, me search the chart. It's better. Are, we're not quite there yet where if I said, what was the last ejection fraction that the computer will speak back to me? The last ejection fraction was 55% on December 12th, 2018. So I still have to go and look through that echo to find the EF, or if you have that ejection fraction as a discrete data element, you may be able to search directly for that. But if it's also written in um, notes, it's gonna pull up some of those notes and you really wanted the echo report. So it's not quite perfect yet. We are certainly getting better. So my point on this, have hope for the future here. Um, there's a lot of work being done around voice. I think it's exciting and it's a technology that's worth following and starting to play with and adopt. If you are, I, I don't know if other voice recognition programs have the same thing. I suspect they do. Uh, and Modal probably can interface with Epic in the same way and you could search Epic that way. I'm sure Cerner, Meditech, and Allscripts all have similar means for searching the chart. At least I would hope they do. I'm going to do one more story because this one just cracked me up. Um, there is a, so this story came from histalk.com. So a security researcher recently brought, bought a vanity license plate. This is in California. And the plate says NULL, N-U-L-L. -L. And he was doing this to try to avoid getting traffic tickets by confusing the DMV system. Well, he got the opposite result. He's racked up $12,000 in tickets that were intended for other drivers whose tag number was accidentally omitted by the sighting officer. So I was just thinking, well, what happens if there is a Dr. Null who comes into our healthcare system? There are Dr. Nulls out there. I had to Google and look. They, they do exist. I would, I would lobby not to let Dr. Null on our medical staff. I'm obviously being, I'm teasing, but I was looking the other day for who are the attending physicians for this certain case. And I went through and there was a certain percent that were Null. And you wonder, well, how can we have Null as the attending physician? There's got to be an attending physician on the case. How did we miss this? Or where's the data entry not happening? But could you imagine if Dr. Null came on board, he would have all kinds of procedures that he was doing that he had absolutely no knowledge about. So I thought that was a funny story. Do not, if you are Dr. Null, change your license plate to Null. You will have an unintended consequence. And that is our news for the week of August 19th. Thank you for listening to CMIO Podcast. 
I've been your host, Dr. Mark Weissman. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at cmiopodcast.com. Send me your ideas for shows, guests you'd like to hear from, general feedback. Give me some response to that question I asked about what to do with the guys who won't get a smartphone and they're stuck with these 1990 clamshell things. Anyway, I look forward to uh, bringing you our next episode.